You are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone. Here we are again, and I'm so happy you're here with us. And I got a funny background story about this week's episode. I have Samantha Hugh again with me this week. Again. Uh, So I recorded with Samantha during the summer months. I don't remember. Maybe it was July, August. I don't remember. And then it came time to edit her episode. And I got an email that was like, well, there's, there's, there's something not good happening here. There's like a constant sound. And it was like, you know, those headphones that have microphones on the cords and it just like bang, 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 bang. It was just not going to work. It just wasn't going to work, y'all. Y'all were going to be like, oh, I'm not listening to this. <laughs> so because it was Samantha and she was so chill and fun and funny, I was like, I bet she will do this again with me. I bet. I just there's something about her. And so I emailed her and I said, oh, it fucked up. And I really liked the episode. Can we have a do over? And she's just the best. And she was like, yeah, girl, I'll be there. We're doing, you know, 10 a.m. again, basically. And I was like, fuck yeah. So, I mean, it was such a good experience. I know that sounds dumb, but like, that doesn't sound dumb. A good experience to say, I'm new at this. (laughs) This is a FFT as Brene Brown would say, this is the fucking first time that I'm making a podcast. Not the first time. Okay, I have a couple episodes under my belt now. But this is the fucking first time that I've done something audio-like. And I'm not an expert. I'm doing the best I can. It's just me. And I'm doing the best I can. And I'm doing it pretty well. But, you know, sometimes shit happens. Uh, So when shit happens, you just got to name the shit. And, you know, just be honest. I was like, we fucked up. Samantha was like, let's do it again, girl. So that's that's the funny story. Is, um, but it was, it was interesting to hear her story the second time around because I tried to not remember what she had said. You know, I didn't, I listened to hear the, the audio problem, but I was like, don't listen to the episode to remind yourself. You know, I didn't want to listen to the full episode because I was like, okay, if I'm going to hear it again, I want to be like almost fresh listen. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, shit happens, y'all, and it's okay. We just, you know, moved on from it. So I just wanted to share that funny story with you because I think it was, it was a good, it was a good learning moment for me uh, about the audio and also about like managing a project. You can do things over sometimes. It's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. Oh, okay. I'm going to stop yammering and I'm going to send it over to Samantha. Take two. Today I'm here with Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Hello. Hello. We were just talking. We're having different days. I have a lovely rainy day today and I had to take off my sweatshirt because it was getting a little hot, but you've got a nice Georgia. Yeah. Hot Georgia day. refuses to fall into the fall time oh. fun. It's, it's like, no, no, no. It's still, it's still summer. We're holding on. Right. Texas. Great. We'll be back there in two days. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be hot as fuck here again. <laughs> Uh, so Samantha, we like yeah. to start with a little bio. Like I like to call, it, what do we need to know about you before we hear your story? You know. Yeah. So what do you what do you want to tell us about yourself before we hear your so, story? So 
I love that question. I'm Samantha Hugan. I'm a Latinx sex therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm an author, bilingual. I have an invisible disability. I am a mess, but I'm a cute mess. And I love to help people. And I'm super excited to be here and tell my story. Uh, you are a cute mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, and welcome. we like to start off with you know just like it's kind of out of context moment of like this just can't be my life and um we kind of you know go back and how we get you to that moment and then we go forward in time of of you know how how you got to where you are today so what moment do you have to share with us of like this can't be my life or or also another one is like just not this yeah. So um, when I first heard that question, this can't be my life, my first thought was present day mm-hmm. because I look around and I'm so fortunate to be a therapist, mm-hmm. to be a licensed therapist, to be a sex therapist, a certified one, to be an author and have mm-hmm. three books with you know a couple on the way. I, I just look around and I'm like, how did I, how did I get here? How mm-hmm. is this my life? Everything I ever dreamed of is happening. This mm-hmm. is wild. But to answer that question and to say, yeah, this is how I got here, we have to go back in time, Mm -hmm. several years, Mm -hmm. perhaps a couple of decades, (laughs) where right now I'm in Georgia, which I love it. It is, um, you know, it's it's not perfect. I don't think anywhere is perfect anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm glad I'm in the South because they need more people like me to shake things up and Mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, restructure the system, Mm -hmm. if you will. From the inside. From the inside out, yep, every person that I work with, every person that I meet, I try to just be my authentic self and change up the system. But, however, I didn't just roll up to Georgia. I am actually from the great state of Michigan. That's probably why I have like a weird hybrid accent. (laughs) I also know I don't have a Spanish accent in English. I have a Spanish accent in Spanish, uh, but I have an English accent or American if you want to go that far with it. Uh, a northern, a northern, maybe. right? You don't a northern with some like, yeah. you know, southern twang. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, mm-hmm. if I get real heated or yeah. really excited, it comes out. I do love y'all because I think it's a gender neutral. Agreed. And I have used y'all my entire life. Mm-hmm. Actually, even back in Michigan, I used y'all because I felt like it was like you guys just sounded like super midwestern, but also kind of like I'm not a guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Massachusetts, like, and it's all used guys. Use guys. Yeah. yeah. I love and so y'all I, so much I like more. y'all as a, a gender neutral, just accepting kind of um, uh, a word, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or slang. And so I'm from Michigan. And Michigan, again, not a perfect place, but a cute little place. Mm-hmm. I'm from the Grand Rapids area. And when I was there as a small child into you know, young, I guess, like 18, I was there. Uh I grew up in a multicultural community. Mm -hmm. I grew up surrounded by all kinds of people, uh, all kinds of languages. I don't really remember at this point because I think I've always tried to pinpoint when I learned language because I feel like Spanish was always around and English was always around Mm -hmm. in different ways uh, because not everybody in my family speaks Spanish. But, you know, I would watch shows or I would be in the community or what have you. And then because of all of that, my parents decided to send me to a Spanish immersion school. So not only was I speaking the language and understanding the language, I could write and read the language and then learn about history and all that fun stuff. So I grew up in a multicultural system mm-hmm. that was very accepting. There were mm-hmm. about 25 of us in school in Academia de Español. I'm still very, very, very like best friends with uh, one of the gals there. Her, well, I can't say her name because I don't have permission. <laughs> right. But, 
She knows who she is. I'll let you yeah. She knows who she is. But she uh, and I are still friends to this day. She was my, I guess you'd say my maid of honor without being like a real true maid of honor. Right. I didn't really, not about that life, but she was there. And so we just all hung out, all 25 of us from all different walks of life, all different kinds of families, different backgrounds, different, you know, sides of the tracks, if you want to say mm-hmm. that, or different parts of the community. And we all loved each other and we all played. And I think that's where my first... What I failed to mention last time you know, <laughs> was um, that's where I learned about science fiction because okay. a lot of the boys at the time were into Star Wars because Star Wars had been re-released. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't know if it was a re-release situation, but it had been you know, um, brought back to the theaters for a mm-hmm. short time. Mm-hmm. And that's how I first saw Star Wars, which was on the big screen. Uh, it was A New Hope, I should say. A New Hope since there's several movies yes, there now. Are, there are like... But a new hope changed my whole freaking life and the outlook and the things that I was interested in. Princess Leia was my gal, but Mm -hmm. I think what they did to her later on in the series did her no favors. (laughs) But for me, she was my first feminist icon that was sassy, smart, uh, capable, Mm -hmm. and she just was just riveting to me as Mm -hmm. a small child because, you know, at that time it was like Disney princesses, but there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with Disney princesses, but I didn't feel that i wanted to be part of the action right. i wanted to be the hero right uh and she was that for me so flash flash forward a few years i go from that kind of community mm-hmm. where we're all speaking different languages which i'm very proud of because i know now nowadays in 2020 we're talking about the education system mm-hmm. and how we are missing a lot of history mm-hmm. and how you know the world came to be i feel like i always had a very well-rounded look at history because i was looking not at just american history and not a filtered american history mm-hmm. but i was looking at you know all of Latin American history and how, you know, people came over and and slave trade and all of that. So I was very fortunate. So I go from this kind of amazing experience Mm -hmm. to my parents for whatever reason, because I still have no idea (laughs) why they were like, you know what, we're going to leave this situation and go to a small town just north of Grand Rapids, Michigan called Cedar Springs. And we're going to live there. It's going to be great. Great. At the time, I had no you know, it was like probably 10. I think it was 10. So I had no like record. Like I thought it was going to be same shit, different day. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, rolling up and it was just a couple of fast food restaurants and a gas station in a small, <laughs> worn down Main Street area. And that was it. And then cows. I think lots of cows and farms. And it was just like, what is? And this was not that far from where I was living. It was maybe 20, 30 minutes. But it was definitely a world way. Even to this day when I go back home and I get off the exit, Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is this place? (laughs) What is this? It's it's bizarre. But being multicultural and coming to a a, a predominantly all-white situation Mm – who they all knew each other. So mm-hmm. what the kind of stereotype, if you will, of Cedar Springs is that they all marry each other or they don't ever leave and they all stay in the area and they all go to the same school and they do all the same things and have the same friends for all of their lives. Nothing is wrong with that statement. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wrong with that life. However, <laughs> when you're not used to it, it's wild. Right. Well, uh, uh, where there's nothing wrong, there's not a lot of room for outsiders to come into those kind of storylines. Right, when everybody is... A hundred thousand percent. Right, yeah. A hundred thousand percent. That's what's a little tricky about those storylines. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. not only that, I went from, again, a small community, a class size of 25, 
where we were never boyfriend and girlfriend. We were never talking mm-hmm. about romantic mm-hmm. relationships. We were all brothers and sisters. Or the, I mean, we all had like crushes, mm-hmm. but they were never, they were, they were harmless. They mm-hmm. were always very, I guess I would say the word cute. It was just kind of like, like oh, precious. Mm-hmm. But we were always friends. No one was jumping around. But as soon as I got to Cedar and started uh, middle school there, so it was about sixth grade, I was bombarded, almost inundated with requests to be people's girlfriends. <laughs> and at that time, I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. I had, what is a girlfriend? What is a boyfriend? And I, I, I do, I, I go to my own therapy now. You never see a therapist that doesn't see a therapist. <laughs> but I, at the time, had gone to my parents trying to ask, like, what is a boyfriend and what's a mm-hmm. girlfriend? And they just laughed. They're like, what does that mean? What are you going to do? You're going to go to the movies? You're going to go to, like, you're out like, of date? Like, what? You're like, I, I, don't like know. I don't know. You tell me, right? Right. I've never heard of this in my life. I have no idea. And so I remember that first year was really rough because it was just always – I, I wonder – and this is just a thought I just had. If that wasn't some kind of like a salty kind of abusive vibe from the school and from the boys in that school, mm-hmm. where it was, you know, very much when I think of sixth grade, I can think of some like school assignments and some trips and whatever. But I mostly think about just being bombarded all the time by boys. Mm-hmm. Another episode. Right? But, right. but for, for the most part, the sixth grade to eighth grade experience was a lot of that. A lot of saying no, a lot of trying to maybe saying yes and then trying to get out of it because you're like, I don't <laughs> never mind. I still don't understand what we're doing. Right. Like, this is weird. But I know in that three year time period, I knew in that moment it, it started with, you know, sixth grade being like, what is this place mm-hmm. to definitely by the time I was uh, almost to high school that I was like, I am not staying. I'm out. Right. This, how did I get here? Like, right. what is this life? Right. Because this is not the life that I signed up for. And I look around and I don't see anybody like me. Um, fun fact I have two learning disabilities that manifested itself as a young person, mm-hmm. but it didn't manifest so much in Spanish because you can kind of sound out Spanish. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can like sound out the words and figure it out and use tips and tricks. But in English, y'all, English is a trip. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, my learning disabilities came out in full force. And so all of this is happening at once. But I knew, I was like, I don't care if I have to fight tooth or nail. I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. I think education is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that statement means because, you know, I'm like, you know, 12, 13 years old. But I'm going to use it and I'm going to get out. Because mm-hmm. everybody, I think at that time, you know, nobody was really talking about college to middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like on the horizon just mm-hmm. enough where you were aware of it. And so all of that played into, like, just me wanting to get out. Like, I didn't know why I wanted to get get out until much later, but I just knew in my bones that this was not this was not it. Right, this these not the space. Right, these were not your people. No, God, no. <laughs> it wasn't even the vibe. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you, you know, there's some people that really love that small town life, mm-hmm. and I think if you authentically love it, then you'll love it, mm-hmm. then you'll thrive there, mm-hmm. then you'll you'll just feel at home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need a skyscraper too. <laughs> I'm going to need an elevator. Um, I don't want to see some cows. Like I live in an area that, you know, I, I'm lucky that like I can go to a downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, hor- a horrible drive, but then I can also go to the North Georgia mountains and that's not a horrible drive. Like I feel like I'm beautifully in the middle of what I love, which is to go hiking and be in the mountains and be in nature. And then to also go downtown if I feel, you know, frisky and feel like I want to do that. 
But at, in Cedar, that was not, it was, you were surrounded by cows and farms and people trying to be your boyfriend when you went like, oh. <laughs> I love that. Like, I love a good romantic movie, but that no, wasn't it. Thanks. That wasn't it. Like, when do you think, I think you said, but like, let's, when you were like ninth grade, eighth grade, where you're like, okay, I'm determined. I'm going to mm-hmm. get out of here. It was about mm-hmm. that time. I think so. I think it was like the transition from the end of middle school Mm -hmm. into uh, freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. Because at that time that you're getting tested to go into these special classes Mm -hmm. and look, your girl and her disability (laughs) and not get into any special classes. Though, it's weird. And we'll we'll touch more on this later. Mm -hmm. Though, I do a a metamorphosis when I get to college. But in high school, I was treated like a little slow. (laughs) It takes you a minute. Okay, uh, I'm not dumb. I just I'm I think differently in the way I approach things different. Mm-hmm. And that didn't again, me saying that now was not how I thought about it then. I thought it was dumb as shit. Right. Back in that that time period because mm-hmm. no one had ever said, Hey, you're dyslexic. I know it's right. an outdated term now, but nobody had sat me down. What's and the said, new term? Hey, uh, learning disabilities. Oh, okay, so it's they, just... they come from different areas. Got it. And, okay. That, yeah, mine good. is in reading. Fun fact, it's in reading and writing, and I became an author. So. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't... No yeah. one is more shocked than I am about that. So. I, God, you would have told me at seven that I would have written books. I would have ran away laughing at you. Right, you're like, ridiculous. Sure. It's never going to happen. It's so yeah. interesting. Um, the English language is just fucking impossible. <laughs> oh, yeah. To this day, I still don't remember how to spell words in English. Yeah. I'm always like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Go slow. Go slow. Tell me it. Okay. That. Okay. All right. Zucchini. Oh, wait, there, there's that. Yeah. There's that letter in there. Yeah. What? Why is that? Daughter? Why is it silent? What? Right. Daughter? Why does that not rhyme with laughter? They're spelled the same. It's a <laughs> yeah. freaking mess. It's a freaking mess. I hate it so much. Yeah. But yeah, so at that time, mm-hmm. I think I was like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. I think. So we're taking all these tests. In ninth grade, I did finally stumble upon an article that spelled out what dyslexia was okay. and what that experience is like. And it was word for word what my experience was mm-hmm. that I took the art. I mean, I got permission. I grabbed the magazine, brought it home. I basically like threw it at my mom. And I was like, is this me? And she was like, yeah. I don't know what the thought process was, but my parents keeping it a secret. Oh, did what they, they know? did. They knew. I'd been oh. tested. I'd gotten resources at Academia. I did not get resources a lot while I was at Cedar or in that school district. Okay. But at Academia de Español, I got this amazing care and, and, and help mm-hmm. that to this day I couldn't do what I do without that foundation. Mm-hmm. Cedar was like, whatever. She's just like everybody else. She doesn't tell. You know, she's just a little slow. She's cute, but she's a little slow. <laughs> but Academia was like, no, no, no. We are not. We are not going to let her fall behind. And I still use some of the tips and tricks I use as a small child to figure out how to do things now as an adult when it comes to reading and writing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a fabulous. Um, where was I going with this? So I found out in sixth grade mm-hmm. that I, I had dyslexia or like mm-hmm. learning disabilities mm-hmm. because up to that time, I thought I was dumb. Mm-hmm. Like in my bones, in my soul, thought I was just never going to be smart. Mm-hmm. That was just not going to be something that I was going to be, mm-hmm. even though I really wanted to be smart. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I am, but like, I guess I'm just, everybody's telling me I'm dumb. So <laughs> I guess I'm dumb. That's great. Um, and so I internalized that mm-hmm. and I still have issues with that 
But like I said, we'll get there. There's a beautiful <laughs> moment in college and grad school that like, they're like, you're not dumb. <laughs> like you're just, whoever told you that they are dumb. That is, you are not dumb. But, um, so I'm learning all this about myself. And at the time I go, well, I might be dumb, but I still want to go to college. Mm-hmm. I really want to go to college. You knew that and was your path, right? No one Out. in my family had gone. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still the first one to graduate. Mm-hmm. And then still at this time, this at this time of recording, right. still the only one that has gone to grad school twice. Uh, slash med school because you know because you know the second program I went to was in med school. It's just not that med school. Okay? <laughs> right. um, but at that time, I didn't know what that was. I do know I had grandparents that were very like, "You're going to go to college." Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what that statement actually meant mm-hmm. because no one had ever done it. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, "I think that's my way out." Right, Again, right. couldn't tell you where I got that thought from. Couldn't even tell you what that experience would have been like. Didn't even know what I wanted to study and graduate with. I just knew I needed to go to this place called college and figure it out. And so at the time, but this time I'm about a senior, or excuse me, not a senior, a sophomore. Mm-hmm. The tail end of sophomore year that, because you know, college is expensive. Yes. Horrible. Still even worse, actually. But, <laughs> right, I can't. I, Girl, I can't yeah. talk about another episode. Another right, fine. Yeah. Hello. Right. Um, but at the at tail end of sophomore year, they let out a call that they said over the summer, there's going to be an opportunity to get uh, scholarship money by way of a <laughs> beauty pageant. <laughs> um, a little bit like Miss America, but like hometown hometown beauty pageant I and I, I sound it. like I'm making fun of it but it is I'm just trying to paint the picture yeah no I, I I was not I did not expect this picture <laughs> I know it's not me today though I would if someone was like you need to be in a beauty pageant to do x y and z I'd be like I'm on it right it would be by my rules yeah but I'd be like I'm on it so th- I see this and I'm like okay what do I have to do so it's Miss America by form Mm -hmm. except for there's no um swimsuit competition Mm -hmm. yeah so there's um uh an interview with the judges there's a little dance you got to do to show them like you know do your thing then there's um a question and answer portion and a speech portion what is the name of this fest what is this (laughs) there's got to be a name all these small town (laughs) there is yeah there is (laughs) So my little town, Cedar Springs, Michigan, is known for one thing, and that is the red flannel underwear. Because oh. back in the mm-hmm. 1930s, they were the top producer of red flannel underwear. Oh. And so after that, we, I think it was 1939. Oh, God, this is, this is bad. I'll say why it's bad, but like I can't. I'm sorry that I forgot, Cedar. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but we started in the 1930s, and we were the top producers of red flannel underwear for decades. And so because of that, there's oh. a festival, and there's this beauty pageant oh my for God. the red flannel queen. <laughs> and she reigns supreme for an entire year, talking about Cedar Springs all over the great state of Michigan. It's fabulous. That it's is great. Such. You give back. There's community service. Love it. There's you know, um, you know, glitz and glamour. But there's just like just community involvement mm-hmm. and reaching out to different communities. It's actually quite fabulous if you stop and don't think about the fact that it's a beauty pageant. So right. But it's great, and it's actually really good. I think, in my opinion, because okay. So let me back up. Okay. So I find this pageant, mm-hmm. and I go, you know what? You know what? I can do that. 
I can, I, I think I could do that. It doesn't seem that bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sign up and throughout the summer, I then go to red flannel queen training. Oh my God. Which is, <laughs> which, which is actually still beneficial to this day. Cause again, I couldn't be doing all the things that I do mm-hmm. without this training. And I call it training, but it's like training. Like you learn how to do public speaking. Mm-hmm. You learned how to eat. Mm-hmm. You learned how to be, uh, you know, in front of large like, you mean, of people. Like eat in public? Like, what do you mean you learned how to eat? I just remember we had to do like a dinner. So you had to like, Oh, like you know, a learn formal dinner. Use, Got it. Yeah. Like yep. you had to do like the salad the, plate, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, that wasn't most of the training. It was mostly like how to do public right, speaking. Right. But I was just like, wait, how do you, what do you mean you learned how to eat? <laughs> yeah. Got sorry. It. That's okay. Sense. I need, I was, like, mind, I need it was like, yeah, I get it. You know, how to use a fork, yeah. you know, how to yeah. put a napkin, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually really beneficial training that I hope the girls that were in, because my year, they were the most, uh, participants for a few years and I still there I don't think there has been more since but there was 15 of us which is a lot yeah and so um of course as I'm doing this training over the summer because the the whole shebang doesn't happen until about the end of uh September early October because the festival is like the first weekend in October fall Um, season makes sense do you have to wear the red flannel hold on oh gosh okay oh I'm getting ahead of myself yeah so I, during the summer, decide it's going to be a great idea to have a mohawk. Mm. So I went from like semi-long-ish hair. (laughs) I was like, I need a mohawk. And so, yeah, I got one. And everyone was like, oh, my God. She has a mohawk and she's trying to be red flannel queen. You're like, as you know? if. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, whatever. It's It was ugh, the best haircut I ever had in my life. Like, I wish... I wish I could go back. I probably, I could go back, guys. Nobody's telling me not to. <laughs> I just feel like when I think of myself nowadays in my mind's eye, it's that long hair, hippie, curly thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the vibe. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know one day it will come back. Yes. But that was, a, I just thought it was so cool. I felt my authentic self. I just loved it. It was easy breezy. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then of course, as, as hair does, it grew out. So it wasn't like super mohawky but it was like a cute little sassy haircut you know and i rocked that the entire time i'm training to do this pageant Mm -hmm. and end up until the pageant right and so everyone was just like this girl (laughs) this this girl i refuse to wear red so you asked what um what the kind of Uh um, attire attire would be uh-huh. the queen she rocks a beautiful crown of course she has this beautiful red cape okay that's like kind of heavy uh-huh. but it's like it's just bomb you know mm-hmm. it's got like a little hood with like a fake faux, faux white fur mm-hmm. it's very very striking um she has a handmade gown that is made to fit her and she's the only one. So there's like her and two court members. Okay. Um, and at, at my year, it went from four court members to two court members. So that was a big thing that mm-hmm. year in 2005. It's like we went from four court members to only two. And so the queen gets her own beautiful setup and then the court members wear, you know, just red dresses. Okay. And so, as we're preparing for this pageant in late September, everyone's gathering to get a ball gown because when you do your little question and answer, you also have a beautiful ball gown and everyone's wearing red. <laughs> everyone's wearing red for the most part or some shade of burgundy or whatever. Your, your girl is like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to wear brown. Right. I'm going to have a brown dress. 
And it was, the, at the time, for 2005, it was the most stunning, like, satin, mm -hmm. form-fitting gown with, like, a neckline of sequins. And by, I should send you some of these yes. pictures. Like, yes, I would love them. Social should, media. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay, remind me and I okay. will do it because it's, it's just spectacular. And it, it was the most beautiful dress. It kind of had like a V neckline. So the V neckline was like, you know, brown sequins. And then the back was gathered and it had like a train. Oh, it was, oh, it was to die for. And it was the most unique dress, in my opinion. Still to this day, I still have it because it's like bomb. But I was like, oh my God, look at this dress. And I had gone shopping with my aunt. And my aunt was like, are you sure? <laughs> this is a budget. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sure. Because even if I don't win this thing or, or get to become a court member or anything, like I will wear this dress. Like this dress Ever. is awesome, so I'm gonna rock it. Oh, yeah, it was so good. And so we we purchased it. Uh, my aunt taught me how to do makeup, so the reason why I know how to do makeup to this day is because she had taken the time to teach me how to wear makeup. It was awesome. So you know, should just all this stuff comes together, and boom, we're the day of the pageant. Mm -hmm. We are the day of the pageant, <laughs> and I don't remember being nervous I remember wanting to win mm -hmm. because what I failed to mention is all through this different training I'm training myself every moment mm -hmm. that I have to spare I'm making up questions for myself I'm making my family you know ask me <laughs> questions I'm envisioning the whole pageant right. from start to finish now I will say this in training everyone got to pretend that they won at least once that's pretty cute yeah, except for I didn't. Oh, wait, why? No idea. I never got to pretend that I won court member or I won queen or I won anything. And it didn't bother me at the mm -hmm. time, but I was like, well, shit, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what this is going to be like if I, you know, if I place in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. But it didn't like, again, you have thoughts post these situations. At the time, I just thought it was I didn't get a chance to practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until much later I was like, ah, a clue. <laughs> and so it's the day of the pageant. Uh -huh. We get, we start to get ready. We get one by one. My number is seven. Still to this day, my a lucky, lucky number. number. Mm -hmm. um, so contestant number seven, she shantes all the way to the judges. She nails her interview because I, I don't know. I just talk, talk to them like I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. I answered from my heart. I answered from the things that I know. And it was just a great experience because, again, this is like the beginning of my my life, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I'm just being me. Between the interview portion and the pageant, there's that dinner that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I'm ambidextrous, but I like to eat and write predominantly with my left. Okay. Uh, outside of that realm, it's it's a free-for-all. Right. Don't ask me what hand I want to use to do what. She doesn't know. Um, I do throw a softball with my right hand. Okay. But... You know, other than that, I don't know. I, I was a switch, you know, kind of switch-handed mm -hmm. player when I played basketball and all of that stuff. So, so she cool. just does whatever she wants. But at this time, I was eating with my left hand. And out of the blue, this little old lady, and I don't know who she was. I never saw her again. But she comes up. She looks. She, goes, she greets all of us, and she looks at us. And then she stops on me, and she goes, you're going to win. And I'm like, oh. I didn't know what to say because all you know, then all the death stares oh, right. like, <laughs> from all the other contestants. Oh, geez, she's lady. like, she's like, you're gonna win, and you want to know why you're gonna win, and I'm like, oh. Oh. and she's like, because you're left-handed, and she says that, and then she disappears again, 
and I just like try to eat. I'm just like, oh my god, what was like, that? You know, all the other contestants are like, what an evil, and I'm right. just like, oh, I just, I'm just eating them. Yum yum. This is so delicious. <laughs> We go back to prep for the beginning of the pageant. And I remember I helped people. Like, I had no problem, like, helping with hair and putting Mm -hmm. on dresses and helping with makeup and just practicing or whatever. But then it came time for me because at that time, again, my hair had grown out a little bit. So I was needed a little shaping, right? Yeah. Yeah, But it was cute. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like a a bobbish at that time Mm because my hair does grow very fast. So it was like a bobbish, but it was still kind of short and, like, a little spiky in some places. But I had just, like, flipped out the ends so it looked all cute. Would not have worn my hair like that now, but like <laughs> it was cute for 2005. Yep. And um, I remember trying to get to the back, and then nobody wanted to help me. Mm-hmm. They were like, "No, we're not going to help you." And I was like, "Wow, okay, well, that's nice. You're a nice people." <laughs> when do I leave this small town? Right. <laughs> I sound like, when am I out? Two more years? Okay, two more years. Because at this time I'm a junior, and it's like fall fall semester okay. junior year. Mm-hmm. So we go through the pageant. The whole time, I'm just like, look, I want to win this thing or I want to lose this thing. I do not have the stomach to be a court member. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I want to win. And so I just showed up as my authentic self. I put my best foot forward. And I remember sitting backstage when the whole thing was done and we were waiting you know, for the results mm-hmm. to being absolutely proud that I, I did my best. Like Even if I never won or nothing happened or whatever – I was like, whatever happens, I'm proud of this Mm -hmm, moment. This mm -hmm. is the beginning of something, whether that be a change in me or whatever. I love that it was like a quote unquote beauty pageant because I can see you. Nobody, (laughs) you guys can't see her. This is, I'm telling you, this is not like her typical jam, right? (laughs) Yeah. So go ahead, backstage. (laughs) It's, you know, and that's, I love a good glam moment. Like Mm -hmm. I do love, Mm -hmm. but I am not, I'm, way too outspoken Mm -hmm. and I I don't believe that got dimmed during this whole process no it didn't no Mm -hmm. I just think I showed up as me and they were like that's good I love it good good for you girl like Mm -hmm. be you Mm -hmm. um so we all line up we're all on stage and you know I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god so they call out the first court member I just start sobbing at this point because I'm so nervous I'm so like what is life they call out the first court member she takes her place they call out the second court member. The girl actually thought she was going to win mm-hmm. the second one. Mm-hmm. She thought she was going to win. She told everybody. I remember she had brought, um, got like us little notes that were like, this has been a great experience. Like trying to be like very like, I know I'm going to win. Thank you, Peon, for showing up. And you're just like, okay, weirdo. And she had her hair done specifically so the crown could sit oh, that's beautifully adorable. on her, mm-hmm. her little bun situation. So, so when she got called, she kind of hesitated for a minute and then kind of like angrily walked out, <laughs> took her, got her rose and like went to her position. And I was like, dang, if she's a court member, who won this whole thing? Because she was adamant she was going to win and she was a contender. But if she's a court member, who won? So it gets all quiet and everybody's, you know, like, well, what's going to happen? In my mind, some voice that wasn't mine said contestant number seven, Samantha Hugan, a little bit behind when they actually said <laughs> contestant number seven, Samantha Hugan. And I'm just like, what? 
And to this day, my sisters both make fun of me because I guess what happens when I get overwhelmed, I like did that very dramatic, like almost drop to your knees and then pop up. <laughs> and I was looking at my friend and she was like, yeah, you won. And I just, and then I remember being like, I don't know how to win right. because no. I never practiced. Right. But they put the crown on my head. They put the, the the cape on my shoulders. And the whole time I'm just like, how did this happen? How did this happen? <laughs> How did the girl with the mohawk take it all? Like how? And it was it was the best moment, mm-hmm. one of the best moments of my life because I had I knew I had worked hard for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it was a beauty pageant, guys. Whatever, <laughs> damn good scholarship money. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it was one of the best years of my life because that's when I learned I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. That's when I learned that I loved giving back to my community. Mm-hmm. That I could do public speaking mm-hmm. without blinking that I was totally comfortable in front of a camera and I could, you know, do the song and dance and be totally fine. And I think that's what's really given me the power to do what I do. Cause not only am I a, a therapist and an author, but I go out and I do workshops. I go out and I speak, yeah. I go out and I can be in front of people. I could do a podcast without, you know, blinking mm-hmm. as, a, as you can tell here. <laughs> it just, it just helped me propel me to be like, okay, this is the confidence. Mm-hmm. This is, you, you have this ability Go use it. Go use it for good instead of evil. And so it was great. It was such a great experience. But of course, with a great experience comes people who want to tear you down. And that entire year, I fought tooth and nail to keep that crown. At some point, each court member had made up stories of me going to parties and drinking, swearing in front of inappropriately, or being like, you know, not a good representative of Cedar Springs. So much so that they got themselves kicked out halfway through the year. They didn't. They couldn't go to events anymore because they would just sit there sour faced. Wow. And mad. Uh. <laughs> I was like, "Girls, that's not that serious." Right. Like, <laughs> I know she's talking about it fifteen years later on a podcast. <laughs> but for you, um, I mean, I wonder if there was like different um, motives. Like for them, it might have been a lineage thing. Like. That girl's mom might have been the, in the past. Oh, that's, that's true. The one right. that really wanted to win had a family history with the right. festival right. and the pageant. Whereas yes, you were thinking, true. like, girl needs scholarship money <laughs> to get <laughs> out does. of here. Yeah. Right? Like, it was a different yeah. sort of motivation. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I never thought about it as, I'm the most beautiful girl in Cedar Springs. I must have a crown to prove my worth. <laughs> it was never like that. It was like... Ooh, ooh! I think I could do that. Yeah. Ooh, with scholarship money though, mm-hmm. and I gotta do this for you know, do the song and dance for a year. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then I took it as, and I'm very fortunate. I think I like this about myself mm-hmm. is I took it as a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. That's very that's mature of you for that age too. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, I want it out. Yeah. I want it out. <laughs> yeah. And I was just trying to gather all the tools as possible. Yeah. So I, I took the training to heart that I still use to this mm-hmm. day. But then I also took that that year of being queen. You know, meeting people, learning about the community, learning about what's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used it all. And mm-hmm. I still, I very much love Cedar Springs for everything that they taught me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Again, wouldn't be able to do what I do without that high, high and those low lows. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful. But you know, she she did her reign. Mm-hmm. They did not snatch the crown. <laughs> I'm definitely going to send you pictures. So yes. I didn't realize this was going to be a huge part of this this topic. But or this podcast, but like, yeah, it's I think a, I'm going to send you some pictures. You're going to love it. Yeah, You're it seems like it. a turning point, and it's such a fascinating turning point. 
it, you not, know, I didn't you're right. It. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, she goes through her reign. Yep. She keeps the crown, had to give away that beautiful cape though, because you know, that's the, oh, thing it's the one that goes, down. got it. Yeah. That's the thing that gets passed down queen to queen. Just kind of cute. If you yeah. think about it, yeah. it's super cute. I did go back for my 10 year anniversary and I got to crown Take, another girl. Oh, that's really adorable. Which was super cute. And then even the year after me, the gal that won after me was my then boyfriend's sister. So that was super cute. So it's just a cute little, I don't know. It's a small town cute, cuteness mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. opinion. But now she replaced that crown with a graduation cap. Yeah, now. She got the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> So I decided I needed to go somewhere far, mm-hmm. not too far, because at that time my my wings were not ready to leave the great state of Michigan, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but enough to like soar to the other side of the state yeah. in the Detroit area, the metro Detroit area. So I went to a beautiful university called Oakland University, one of my favorite places on earth. I am so grateful for them because I just, oh gosh, I just want to gush about them. Mm-hmm. So I went to school for Spanish language and literature okay. with a minor in women, gender studies. Mm-hmm. Did not know about my minor until I rolled up to, to Oakland University. Got into Spanish classes, got to you know test out of a lot of Spanish classes, but got to learn how to write, which I didn't realize that this was kind of part of the degree. Mm-hmm. I think I became a writer because they showed me how to be a writer. Right. They allowed me to take what I what I was passionate about, which is women and gender studies, mm-hmm. and then tie it into the the, the um, Hispanic and Latino uh, culture okay. and write all of these cool papers about it. But at the time, I'm also being supported for my disabilities. Right. I got retested. So I guess what happens is you get if you get tested as a child, mm-hmm. by the time you're 18, they're like, that documentation doesn't count. And you're just like, what? Okay. <laughs> you don't grow out of learning right. disabilities. You don't. All right. All right. It's a messed up system. Yeah. So I got retested again through Oakland. Shock. The results were the same. same. But they gave me the ability to have support. Oh, okay. You know, extra time on tests. Mm-hmm. Um a way to communicate with professors on what I needed depending on the type of class. You know, lecture is different than, you know, mm-hmm. you know smaller women gender mm-hmm. studies class. So I had that support, which was gorgeous and beautiful and mm-hmm. wonderful. I think that's why if you look at my grades throughout my entire life, they were kind of shitty back in like elementary, high, middle school, high school. But then I became like an all A dean's list student in college and, and, and grad school. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. When you get support, that's, huh. But at the same time, all this is going down. I'm making friends. Mm-hmm. And remember, it was kind of hard back in Cedar because mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, very out there multicultural gal, mm-hmm. very outspoken. Outsider. But I found my people mm-hmm. at Oakland. Mm-hmm. I got to just meet all kinds of different people, which was wonderful. Back to, basically back to when I was a child. It was the same kind of setup. Mm-hmm. And then I started taking women and gender studies classes. And I, I love this because my first ever women and gender studies class changed the rest of my life. I studied under Dr. Rosemary Hughes, mm-hmm. who is actually a counselor in her own right and a professor of women and gender studies. And she gave me the confidence to pursue this, gave me the idea to go to grad school. There's her and another Spanish professor that I, I feel bad that I don't remember the Spanish professor's name. I can see her as clear as day in my mind's eye, but I cannot remember her name. But she was another one that's, that as as my time at Oakland was ending, because mm-hmm. I got to graduate early. I graduated Oakland in three years. Um, 
she goes, so what are you doing next? And I'm thinking she's talking about lunch. You know? Right. Like, like, I'm going to have like a snack. Maybe a little and salad. Like, no. <laughs> right. Exactly. She's like, no, no, no. I mean, like after Oakland, like you're going to go to grad school, right? And you were like, no, I'm going to get a job. Right. Because it was, were you thinking just. Well, at that time, mm-hmm. the, that's when the economy crashed. Yep. Yep. So we're at like 2009, 2010. Yeah. And the economy was just shit, especially in the Detroit area. So I was like, I don't know. What's grad school? Again, first generation college student. What the heck is grad school? Yeah, what do you mean? Uh Uh-huh. And so she planted the seed. Dr. Mm -hmm. Hughes was able to kind of like bring it out. Mm -hmm. And several others because I had started then being vocal about grad school. Mm -hmm. What's grad school? How do I get into grad school? Again, still thinking I'm stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think I'm um, sorry, senora, but like, I don't think I'm smart enough to like go to grad school. And that's when I think that's that again is another turning point where I was thinking I was just a schmuck that didn't know what she was doing. But then it turned out she she just learns differently. Right. Her brain works in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at that time, I was being vocal about wanting to go -hmm. to grad school. So another woman in gender studies professor hooked me up with a professor on campus that I'd never met before who was doing, again, another moment that changed my life, Mm -hmm. doing sexology research on the practices of Oakland campus students and how they were doing and participating in safe sex practices or not. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's that's part of the research. (laughs) Right. And so I started that, I think, in 2009, maybe early 2010, Mm -hmm. and started helping her with that research and then got really interested in this idea of like sex education and how that worked. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I'm also applying to schools or no, sorry, I graduated in 2010 and then started to find schools. Mm -hmm. I decided at that moment I wanted to be a professor, which is funny because I didn't end up being a professor, but then still taught at the university level later on in my career because I was like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) But I went into grad school thinking I was going to go all the way, get a PhD, do research, do teaching, and it was going to be fabulous. Mm -hmm. So I got into the University of South Florida because at this point, I'm ready to leave that great state. Now you're ready. You're ready. I'm over the snow. Yeah, you're ready for it. I'm over family stuff. I'm ready. I gotta go. Sunshine. Yes, I gotta go. So I got into the University of South Florida and... I love that school too. I love that school because that's when I think I finally realized I wasn't an idiot. Okay. I mm-hmm. have ideas, mm-hmm. but I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely not stupid. I I think I cut my teeth there realizing like I started out being like, "Oh, I'm not smart." To finally realize, "No, no, no, I'm just smart in a different way." Mm-hmm. I might forget how to spell a word is that because she's bilingual is that because you know she's got disabilities mm-hmm. i realize all of this is part of who i am and i need to accept it mm-hmm. i i'm not going to play into this you know because you pass as white or because you have mm-hmm. you know some kind of experience in the white area mm-hmm. like you still have disabilities you still mm-hmm. have this multicultural aspect to you you have multilingual abilities Mm -hmm. like all of that is important it does not make you dumb it actually makes you kind of interesting and Mm -hmm. intelligent Mm -hmm. in your own way Mm -hmm. because I was at the University of South Florida I was vocal about my past wanting to bridge the Latinx community with sex education Mm -hmm. so my first semester there I wrote a paper about the lack of sex education in Argentina and so because of that one little baby paper a little Right, such it was like maybe ten pages. I thought it was a lot at the time. Yeah. It was like a little baby paper that 
my mentor was like, um, this is really good. And I like where you're going with this. Why don't you teach? Cause I, I was able to get a graduate assistantship. Mm-hmm. Why don't, cause I was teaching a, a history class the first semester. But after that, she goes, I see this paper. I think you're going to teach human sexual behavior. Yeah. And I ended up teaching that class with a wonderful professor for my, the rest of my, my career at USF because it was my passion. Mm-hmm. I took all the classes I could that was in the realm of like sexology mm-hmm. or ecology or, you know, anything that had to do with, with gender, sexuality. I taught, which while I was teaching, the first semester I was teaching, so this is my first year at USF, and it's a two-year-ish program. I go, what I did was learn the material as I was teaching because mm-hmm. that's how it's how it's easier that way. And as I'm watching this documentary to start prepping for, you know, a couple weeks in advance, it was called the clitoris. Mm-hmm. And everybody on this documentary was a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. And something within me was like, hmm, what's this? <laughs> what they're educated, they're talking about education, they're talking about therapy. And I had been told different times, excuse me, excuse me, different times throughout my life that I should be a counselor, I should be a therapist. But, you know, I didn't know what that meant. Right. I, I mean, at that time, I was, I had been in therapy for, for various reasons, but I didn't know what it meant to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. So the moment I see this, I watch this documentary, I start doing some research, and it is so in line with what I actually want to do. Right. Because when I was teaching, I'd have office hours and people would come in and out. And I love that one-on-one relationship that I would create with students. Mm -hmm. I love the sex education aspect of being a Mm -hmm. sex therapist because at the time, again, the economy was just coming back. Mm -hmm. But like, who was going to hire a professor that just wanted to do sex work? Like, (laughs) there there wasn't many. Okay. There wasn't a lot. So I was like, hmm, mm -hmm. I think this is what... I want to do with my life. And at the time, my partner, um, I did marry him, Mm -hmm. but like I told him about it and he was like, well, we got to figure out where we can end up together because he was living in Mississippi. Okay. Poor guy. Poor guy. (laughs) And I made it very, very apparent that I was not going to be moving to Mississippi. (laughs) That was not the place. And so we also at the time were trying to figure out, okay, when you're done with USF, mm-hmm. where are we going to be? Like, where right. where can he work? Where can I go to school and work? Like, what was this? Right. Like? Physically, where can we be? Yeah. yeah. And so like all of this was happening. But the moment that I said, I want to be a sex therapist, it felt like everything clicked and then everything started to go into its proper place. Mm-hmm. So I told my mentor, she helped me again, take all these classes that were relevant to what I was going to be doing next. Mm-hmm. I found a program accredited programs that means that I could have gotten a second master and then if I wanted to go to a PhD without you know going through the, a second rigmarole okay. um, and it was in Atlanta Georgia Mercer University School of Medicine okay and I was like Atlanta Georgia mm. hmm. I, I think of my idea of Atlanta like was stemmed from like gone with the wind you know it's like Atlanta <laughs> right. just really basic I never thought about living there right and so as soon as I was like Mercer University, my partner was like, hey, I got a job in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. So I applied. Mm-hmm. I graduated USF and I got into Mercer. And the reason I really like Mercer is because their programs seem to be really multi- multicultural and really focused on being a multicultural therapist, mm-hmm. which I loved. On top of on staff in their faculty, they already had a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. And a, duh, I want to like learn underneath. That's somebody who's already right, doing right. it. 
so one thing led to another. I graduate USF, gay for me. I get into Mercer, go through that program, get my hours, get licensed, go and 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 explore the world. At this point, I was working while I was gra about to graduate Mercer to prep for sitting for licensure. I was working at a domestic violence shelter, okay. and it was working out. But um, you know, with that kind of work, you can get burned out mm -hmm. really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, because I started feeling burned out, I was looking for another opportunity. Mm -hmm. And what, lo and behold, I had made connections while I was at Mercer, and somebody was opening a private practice, and they're like, "Come work for us." And I was like, "I want to be in private practice. Yes, yes. I will." Yeah. But. As you start a private practice, you know, everybody thinks you have a million clients. You're just going to roll up. No, no, no. Yeah. I had like one or two. Yeah. So I needed to figure out, okay, um, universe, I need to actually pay bills because now student loans are due. And so at that time, somehow, uh, Kennesaw University was like, knock, knock. Hey, you want to teach our love and sex class? And I was like, oh, my God, a dream. <laughs> yes, I want to teach a love and sex class. So how I set that class up was it was one part sex education, one part group therapy slash learning about healthy relationships in a realistic way for them to go on like and learn about themselves, their lives. not just in yes. like an academic way, but more in a like personal way. But mixed Both? Yeah. mixed yeah. in some beautiful yeah. way. And because I always said to them, I'm gonna give you information. I don't care what you do with it. Mm -hmm. Like you if it works for you, take it with you. If it doesn't, don't leave it at You're the door. You're gonna have it. Yeah. You're gonna know it. Yeah. You're gonna know that it exists. And I, I worked at Kennesaw building my practice for two years. Mm -hmm. At that time, I, we, I separated from Kennesaw because my practice was growing. And at the time, I then went, transitioned from working for somebody to opening my very own private practice. Yay! Boom! <laughs> <laughs> and so, at, again, at that time, too, guess what? She decided she wanted to write a book. <laughs> I, I think I had, I had had Dawn Among the Stars in my toolbox, if you will, of self-care mm -hmm. for years. I, I, read, I wrote it, some of it, mm -hmm. some of it, pre-graduate school. Mm -hmm. It had started writing some more in graduate school because I needed some self-care. Mm -hmm. But then I got really into it post-graduate school because I needed self-care that wasn't teaching, mm -hmm. that wasn't um, uh working with clients, doing therapy. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, then she got it in her head that she wanted to publish it. And by God, she did. <laughs> I got three books out right now. Oh. We got Down Among the Stars. We got Fading Starlight. And we got Stardust Emerging. And, and they're the sci-fi, right? Will be out. Yes. yes. So it's a multicultural feminist okay. sci-fi series mm -hmm. that looks at what would happen if aliens were real and they rolled up. Mm -hmm. And then not only, because I do love sci-fi, like I've mentioned previously, I love I love all things sci-fi, but I wanted there to be a message mm -hmm. in my series. So it's called the Starless series with three books. The fourth book comes out next year. And I will say this is a little podcast special. Mm -hmm. The fourth book is called In the Wake of Stars. Love it. Super cute. I love that. Um, but my focus, because a lot of what happens in sci-fi, it's very male-dominated, yep. which is yeah. boring. Right. Uh, boring. Uh, it's not very multicultural. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, boring. So I was like, I'm going to have it be focused on being multicultural. There's going to be different points of view. Mm -hmm. It's going to look at mental health in a realistic and positive way. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about healthy relationships. And so all of this happens under, you know, an alien invasion. So... That's the Starless series. Oh, 
<laughs> All of my Boom. life has culminated right. to this to moment. this moment. Now, how Wild. long? Yeah, how long have you been in private practice now? So my my own mm-hmm. has been open for two years, going on two and a half years. Very cool. My time in private practice mm-hmm. has been since 2016, so about four years. Okay, because yeah, you worked underneath someone for a little while. Yeah, how it's like a weird. I I don't want to go into no, but that's how you kind of have to start, but, right? But you have to start. Right, you have to start you should, I think you should start. Like right. if you want to do it, um, like you cut your teeth yep. and you know make any kind of money because it is. It's people think you show up and you have fifty clients right away, and I'm like sometimes, but a lot of times you got to build a practice. Mm-hmm. It's not just like you show up and you're making tons of money. Right, they're being so. they're being down your door. Yeah, because they don't know you exist. How right. are you gonna know you're, you're there? Right. They don't know you exist. Right. It's yeah, you gotta be there, and then they come to you, but they're not they're not there waiting for you. Yeah, I'm very fortunate now that I feel like I'm in a really beautiful. And then I love that question about like, how did I get here? Because yeah. I look and I'm like, how did I get here? Yeah. Like, I feel so stable. Yeah. Even though we're in the middle of a pandemic and all that, but I feel like confident. And I feel very grateful for all the clients that I work with, mm-hmm. even the troubled ones, <laughs> even the ones who give me a little. Run for my money. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. I love you guys. But, you know, I just think about it. And I, every time I go into my office, I'm so grateful. I'm overwhelmed with just right. happiness and gratitude. And then every time at night when I close down, I'm always like, good night, office. I'll see you tomorrow. Love you. <laughs> like, I just, I'm so happy. I just love it's it. So, so adorable. And, like, this is, this is taking the, like, the statement, like we took it full circle of like, this can't be my life. And then we went around and now you're in yeah. the, you know, the other end of the arc of this, of like, this can't be my life. Yeah. Like, how is this my life? And I, love, and I love that we can add that little piece of that another like layer of it, of like, we can maybe ask, you know, like we, me, I can ask other guests, like <laughs> now can you say in the reverse of like, this can't be my life. Cause that's yeah. like the full, the full transition. I feel like. Yeah. Thanks. It's yeah. so amazing. It's wild. I, yeah. I'm so grateful. So thank you universe. Thank mm-hmm. you everybody who's helped mm-hmm. me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you me, I guess. I don't know. Right. Thanks for yeah. always saying positive. Cause I guess I, I do, I have the, uh, I guys I'm in therapy. So I've talked about yes. it, but I always have this thought sometimes where I'm like, what if I had made a different choice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if I had decided to stay? In uh-huh. And what if I yeah. had decided not to, you know, pursue a relationship with my partner uh-huh. or, you know, to move uh-huh. to where he found a job or if I had stayed, you know, in Metro or much of Detroit or, you know, if I had made different choices. Mm-hmm. If I decided that grad school was too scary and too, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to embrace that vulnerability. Right. Um, but I, I'm really grateful that the choices that I made, I made and I stand by them, even mm-hmm. if some of them were some choice. Does your, choices. does your therapist indulge you in that? The what ifs? Cause mine doesn't. No, no, but we talk about it. Okay. We process, yeah. you know, we're like, how is this helpful? And I was like, let's just play. Let's just play. play. Come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mine's like, you know, Mm-mm. therapists make the worst clients. Oh, I bet. I bet. I love my, I love my therapist, but I know that sometimes she's like this girl. Right. Just, can you stop it? Stop therapizing yourself. You can't do it. You tell your clients that. So why are you trying to do right. it? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I always ask people like, you know, what got you to where you are today? And I think yours, I, I, correct me if I'm putting words into your mouth, but like if you could have like two or, or three major things, it was like education, mentorship. Mm. Like it seems like from an outsider observing your story, like mentors were a huge part of your story. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I love being a marriage and family therapist mm-hmm. by license because mm-hmm. I guess I didn't, I failed to say that, but like my mm-hmm. license and my theoretical background as a therapist is a marriage and family therapy yeah. and their view of life that really goes hand in hand so well mm-hmm. with women and gender studies yep. is that communal systemic we are not lowly islands. Mm-hmm. I know the American way is like, you know, I, I, I did it by myself. Rugged know. independence. No. I've always had that in my in me that I want to, if I, because I don't know everything, I want to reach out. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to explore and express mm-hmm. and have other people's opinions. And not, I don't want to be like, give away my own thoughts, but just be well-rounded. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And so I always love a good mentor mm-hmm. situation. Even to this day, I kind of feel bad that I'm not in supervision. I really do miss supervision <laughs> because, and I'm sure I could find a group. It's just really hard in, in like, you know, pandemic yes. times to like yeah. find that kind of situation. I put it out there several times to the universe. So y'all don't cry for me, Argentina. We're fine. <laughs> um, but I, I miss supervision because it was that kind of situation mm-hmm. where there was this built-in mentorship where you can be like, hey, I'm working on this. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Um, but I do, on the flip side, so maybe not so much in therapy, but on the flip side, I have a wonderful group of writing friends that are so supportive, mm-hmm. so intelligent and empathetic and compassionate and driven mm-hmm. in their own right that I think just who I am as a person loves gravitating towards like-minded people mm-hmm. so we can create a community mm-hmm. that if somebody needs something, we're all there for each other. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with everyone before we get to our, our fun questions? If you guys are interested in my books, mm-hmm. they're available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell us all your links. Let's do that. Let's do that now. Yeah. And they'll all be um, in the show notes. Like your website, yeah. social media. Come hang out with me mm-hmm. on Instagram. That's my favorite platform of mm-hmm. life. It's just Samantha underscore Hugan. I'm the only one. That's why I never changed my name because I am the only Samantha Hugan in the world. You're going to want awesome. Can you spell that for everyone? <laughs> yeah. So it's Samantha, S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A underscore Hugan, H-E-U-W-A-G-E-N. There we go. And the website is by the similar thing. Just my full name, SamanthaHugan.com. Okay. Um, those will be in there's the a newsletter you can sign up for if you want it has some fun tidbits uh, I've got some books coming out down the pipeline it's projects so if you like healthy relationships if you like talking about mental health if you like some sass and some laughter come hang out and let's be friends because I love it I love meeting new people and learning from them and yeah so come hang out on Instagram Samantha Hugan and let's see what else. The books are available everywhere. Okay, uh, tell I, us I, the names like, okay so it's the Starless series, okay. Dawn Among the Stars, Fading Starlight, and Stardust Emerging. Okay. And the final, the final book will be out next year, and that will be in the wake of stars. So, I love yeah. it. And if you like, like think. Mm, think Twilight meets War of the Worlds, but without this bad Twilight. Unhealthy relationship stuff. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I realize Twilight is just like so problematic, but it's like there's a lot of point of views that happen in that. So that's why I say twi- Twilight meets yeah. the War of the Worlds, but like so much better. <laughs> healthy, everybody resolves conflicts and you learn about healthy relationships. And I love that healthy relationships in sci fi. Yes. That. Oh. Because in sci-fi, we get stuck in this idea where it's like the hero must come. Who right. the, who's the hero? Right. If aliens rolled up today, 
you and I are not prepared for that. No. Sorry, we're not. We're, we're not. just not. We, Let's talk about real depictions of what that would yeah. look like. And that's what the Starless series is about. It's like the reality of it. Not this, oh my God, look at me. I just turned into a hero. Right. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. It's <laughs> never going to happen to any of us. No, it's not. <laughs> I might be able to therapize the crap out of them, but I will not yeah. be able to yield a weapon and defend myself. <laughs> Oh, so good. You're gonna roll up with your. I got my notebook and my pencil. Right. Terrifies you, <laughs> the aliens. And my cup of tea. Like, yeah. hey, look. I think you just need this, yeah. and you need to sit down. Sit down on the couch. Here, you sit. Sit, sit this. There. It's very good. Get yourself do whatever you want with the pillows. I don't care. Like, make yourself comfortable. Oh, shit. Now, why are you here? Right. Why? What brought you? Why here to, What brought right. you here today? <laughs> Love it. That's my next idea. Yep, there we go. A short story about what uh-huh. it would be like to, to therapize, therapize aliens. aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Even a comic strip. <laughs> oh my god. Oh um, my god. All right, this I'm is the perfect I'm segue dying. to do our fun questions. Yay! Okay. okay. What was your? F- I remember this from before. Oh, but I I don't remember what I, I said. Uh, I kind of remember. Um, what was your first car? Oh, a 92 Ford Taurus, a little baby blue, mm. the best car ever. Because I know everything's like keyless now, but I had the car where you could just use a code and it would <sighs> let you unlock like the yeah. doors or open the back end or whatever. So I never had one of those. Yeah, I'd had the little, Ugh. the digits. I think that's why now I like having a car that is keyless because mm-hmm. it's reminiscent right. of my first car, my OG car. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the Ford Taurus. So cute. I love it. When did you get your period? Oh, I remember this question now. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is where we um, I was 13 and I thought I shit myself. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. I forgot. That's, yeah. <laughs> yep. Love it. I love it. I just did it. Nobody talks to you about what it actually looks like mm-hmm. and what the experience is. They make it sound very mystical and like right. you're just bleeding profusely. Right. But no, I, I, I got it thinking I shat myself, changed my underwear a couple of times. Went to dinner, like actually we had dinner as a family, we had to go to the bathroom, and then I yelled for my mom because I thought, oh my God, I'm still shitting myself. Like, I'm going to die, right? Like, Oh my God. And so my mom was like, no, girl, like you are on your, that's congratulations, you get your period now. I'm like, great. Great. <laughs> I thought I was shitting myself all day, but hey, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> uh, okay, you probably remember this one too. Toilet paper, okay. over, under, or you don't care? Uh, over and I do care because I at my house we're good we're we're on the same page but at work sometimes I roll to the bathroom and I'm like you guys and I will change it (laughs) oh my god that's like the sub question now if you're over it's like have you gotten to the point where you'll change it (laughs) a hundred percent the only time I won't change it is if it's a public restroom but since it's my office I'm like and I share space with other therapists and clinicians that I'm just like oh my god I'm always kind of not like super angry but I'm just like you guys are too good for this right yes I and I'm like changing it and I'm like I don't more from you yeah yeah I think I'm the toilet paper changer there like I I, it hasn't happened in a minute I wonder if there's somebody who's changing it the other way (laughs) No, okay, I don't. I don't. I'm on. pretty sure I'm like when I say toilet paper changer, we will have no toilet paper. Oh, I'll have to go find a roll. Yeah, put it in. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just my unofficial job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is fine because that means the toilet paper is all over. over. <laughs> uh, are you a fan of Lizzo? Yes. Mm-hmm. You have a favorite my, song? Oh, oh. Like, we don't really know the, this... the titles of them, but you know which one it is. I think I like Juice. Yeah, I know I like the boys one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
before uh, lockdown, I remember I sang one of her popular songs. And I say sang because I didn't realize that I could like sing rap or whatever mm-hmm. was going on. Mm-hmm. I would pulled on stage by some random girls that were very drunk. And they were like, oh, the ladies. But then they weren't actually saying the words. So I like, grabbed the mic and I was like, I guess I'm singing Lizzo now. Right. And I don't even remember what that song was. Mm. I wish I, I'm not good with the song names. Yeah, it's it's hard to, back when we remember you used to have the CD and you could look at it. I feel like it was yes. much, you know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. And now I'm just like, oh, that's on the radio. Right. And sometimes it doesn't even have it flash mm-hmm, on, you know, the on the radio about the screen f- anymore. That was a lovely pre-COVID moment too. <laughs> Like, no, I miss when you were I miss like, in a bar karaoke. or something and they pull. Yeah, yeah. That sounds magical. We were at the Claremont Lounge uh-huh. in Atlanta. If you've been to Atlanta, you know of Atlanta. That is one of our landmarks. The Claremont Lounge is a beautiful strip club, uh, strippers club mm-hmm. that um, just magical ladies work at. And they had, um, you know, strippers and karaoke. Oh, that's a, a nice crossover. It was really crazy. Yeah, I've never heard of and that. And it was great. Mm hmm. And then COVID hit, and we'll, well do it again. Next time we'll do it. Just, <laughs> this is so off topic. Are strippers going to wear masks? Like, You know, I was thinking about them not too long yeah. ago, and I thought about that, too. I was like, huh, I wonder what those girls are at the, the Claremont are doing. Are they open? And I'm like, I think they were doing something digital. Like, right. I don't know. I don't look, know. Look at us. I don't all know. the industries. It's amazing. Just, it's amazing. Yeah. I just hope everyone is well. Yes. Because they were all great. Um, cilantro, yes or no? An, a, mm, <laughs> <laughs> I, a yes, but a recent yes. Oh, okay. Before uh-huh. it was just like tastes like soap to me, but <gasps> now I can I can get behind it a wee bit. Yes, I remember this, and I was fascinated yeah. because I know about the soap thing, and that's kind of why I asked this question because I'm fascinated mm-hmm. that that is like yeah. a genetic thing. And I remember mm-hmm. you saying that, and I remember telling my husband, being like, "She grew out of it, kind of like I had to, you know, yeah. like it." I, Further research needed, right? I'm not gonna sit there and eat like all no, the you're not gonna show, like, Yeah, but I kind of like it now in certain in, in like, dishes where I'm like, hmm, okay. But I think if it was like, you know, here's this bush or bush like, or whatever, no. put it in your mouth, I'd be like, soap. Eh, eh. Eh. <laughs> That's fast. I love that. It's just, I'm just absolutely fascinated. Very recent. Very recent. Uh, when you drink a latte or cappuccino yeah. or whatever or cereal yeah. granola, what kind of milk do you mm-hmm. use? Almond, mm. lactose intolerance. Yes, but the almond is the way to go. And I shouldn't say I'm like very picky. As long as it's not cow almond. milk, yeah. I'll probably drink it. But at my house, it's almond milk. It's delicious. Can you drive a standard transmission? No. Mm. I well, I probably could figure it out, mm-hmm. but I have not had the opportunity to, yep. to see. Uh, I think we went over this, but uh, where are you in your birth order? I'm the oldest. Right, and it's three. It's th- three girls, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I'm also the oldest of all my cousins. Mm-hmm. You're the double so oldest. I'm the double oldest of yep. 10. Are you the oldest cousin on each side of the family too? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my sister yeah. was up. I'm, I'm a unicorn, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. No, it's pretty common, I think. Like my, my, I In my husband's family, uh, she's the okay. oldest of her family. She's the oldest of both sides, yeah. It's in my sister. I think it is pretty common. What was your kindergarten teacher's name? Oh, I remember this question. I couldn't remember what her name was, but I remember what my kindergarten music teacher was, oh. an art teacher, because she got mad at me. So I'm ambidextrous, right? So her name is Senora Zapata, and she got mad because I was drawing with both hands, Ooh. and she's like, you need to pick one. And I wish she wouldn't have said that, because I wish I would have just kept doing right. both hands and learning all the things. 
But she was like, you need to pick one. And at that time, I listened to rules. Right. Now, if she would have come at me now, I would have been like, no, uh, I don't, no bitch. bitch. <laughs> no. Muchísimas gracias, pero no. Yeah. So, yeah. But so, Senora Zapata, she, like, ruined my life. But I'm glad I still kind of, I, I do maintain it. And I could, if anything ever happened, I could figure it out on, on both sides. I love that. I love that. And I think it's, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, are lefties more ambidextrous? I think so. Right. I, yes, I think there's a theory to that right. because we live in a right-handed world. world that we have to be. Right. I know my husband is also he's he is straight left-handed. Okay. Um, but he's had to figure out. I have one life. child who's left-handed out of four. Isn't that, isn't that wild? I know it's fascinating. Like I'm still, I'm like, oh, you're picking that up with the other hand. <laughs> like I still forget. Yeah. Like she's eight now, yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah, look at that. And like the, yeah. at a certain age, they all use both hands, like in preschool, mm. whatever. And so I, I think of all of them, I was like, oh, they're going to be left-handed. Oh, and I'm like, huh. by yeah. the third one, I was like, I didn't do that anymore. And then really, I was like, oh, no, she really is going to be left-handed. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what do you regret more, high heels or jalapenos? High heels. Yeah. Because I love a good jalapeno. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. I have this, like, kibasa or no, sorry, uh, sauerkraut that's in my mm. fridge right now that has some jalapeno in it, too. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. Oh. <laughs> so good. So I will never regret a jalapeno. But heels, as much as they are super cute, they're kind of messing up people's feet. Yeah. So we're we're out. Yeah, we're, we're. I will wear them sparingly, but not mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. all the everything, time. Everything mm-hmm. in moderation. All right. And my final sign off is I keep beating this drum, and it's it's working. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, what is rate it? Rate my show. <laughs> yeah, rate our show. Rate Do show. it. It's rate so show. good. It's so easy. It's so like, like I, I say this all the time. I'm like, you're listening somewhere that you yeah. can just pick it up and you can find it on what you're listening to and you hit the stars. You can even type something. You can even write something. That's even better. But like, I'm like, oh, just I'll take the the rating, the reviewing I, bonus. I wish people weren't so, because I, on the flip side, like as an author, uh-huh. you're like, please review. And everyone's like, oh no, I couldn't. And I'm like, yes. Why couldn't you not yes. just say, oh, I liked it. You don't have to write a novel about right. it. You just have to be like, yeah, this was crap. Yeah, this was amazing. Yeah, I'd read it again. Whatever. Nobody right. cares. Yeah. That's a good one. Like, I'd read it again. You know, I'd yeah. read it more than once. Yeah. Right? That's a, oh, That yeah, says yeah. a lot. Yeah. It really does help. And I think that like I don't like I don't review like Amazon products like come on you know what I mean like you're doing fine but like personal Etsy I always review on Etsy and I love that Etsy makes yeah. you review and I wish yeah. somebody on Apple if you're listening if <laughs> you prompt people to rate the show mm, wouldn't that yeah. that would be a huge difference yeah okay there's our little yeah. soapbox but it's working it, the guys. more the more I'm like beating my drum it's it's slowly like tick one tick t- you know <laughs> Yeah. All right. You know, I, I just hate that. I, I hate that for you. Cause it's like, we are like small business owners, mm-hmm. like trying to like, just mm-hmm. like make it in this world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you give back to us? Just, mm-hmm. just a little just review. Look. You don't even have to write. If nope. you don't want you to, to say, like, you can just click the stars, click the stars, yep. all the stars, all the stars or one star. I don't care. It still counts as a, as a rating. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's fine. I do have a one star review on Don Among the Stars and it's literally the best thing ever. So if y'all want to laugh while you go pick up okay. Don Among the Stars, check that one star out. It is like a telenovela happened <gasps> up in the reviews. It's so those good. Are, those it's are really so good. good. Those are really good. Yeah. Here's some tea for you guys. Yep. All right. And so I'm at LaJoyceSocietyEverywhere.com on Instagram, Facebook, which is L-A-J-O-I-E Society. And um, I will meet you all here again next week. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be. To be here
faces made Cards left on tables and cards played And no one knows How will it go? Questions burning in the mind Answers may not be there to find Pictures 